The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where every week we get together and we talk about all things sleep and crying and just behaviour in general in those first few wild years of parenting. We're your hosts, I'm Dr Fallon Cork and I'm here with Dr Laura Conway and um, we're kind of late with this podcast, Laura, we've both yes. just had a day we have just a day it's taken us a while yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's been kids we, home kids yeah. home from school there's been um yeah housing fiascos there's been all sorts of stuff going on so um yeah it's a little bit it later has. today it is and i'm recording this with like in the, in the most not ideal um circumstances i've got kids home in the next room so you're probably all gonna hear like the odd scream of delight when you know someone gets blasted in some <laughs> virtual reality game there's <laughs> you know neighbors mowing the lawn there's peak hour traffic um so yeah you're just gonna have to forgive us because life is happening in the background <laughs> <laughs> yes working parents yeah exactly and look i suppose you know fittingly on that note um someone emailed in wanting to hear more about siblings you know managing siblings mm. and I just thought yeah that's perfect content for this yeah. podcast because it is such a juggle I think I've said in the past on these episodes I really struggled with that transition from having one child to having two mm-hmm. um, by the third it was like <laughs> it's not so hard now <laughs> yeah more chaos they're all just yeah it's all chaos Um, But yeah, going from one to two is really tricky. And if you're trying to work on sleep, I think that's really, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it just, it's compounded. It's, it's so challenging. Um, So this mum emailed in wanting a few tips on, well, first of all, does Sombal kind of have, does it have strategies for how to manage um, siblings? And I kind of thought, yeah, yeah, it does. And I went in and had a look, Laura, and actually we Mm -hmm. don't have a lot in there about managing siblings Mm. so I've actually got it on my list amongst a million other things I really want to add in a lesson on how to sort of manage yeah two children um in the one household and nap times and bedtimes and that sort of thing but I thought until I get around (laughs) to writing up that lesson and adding it in maybe we'll just have a chat about it on here Mm. Mm -hmm. um and also the other question this person had was when we do add in that lesson would she have access to it and yes absolutely so once you're a Sombal member if we add in new lessons you get access to those lessons and we'll be sure to let you know um as well but what do you think Laura how did you go with yours did you have a bit of a battle on your hands managing sleep and settling when you had two yeah, it was chaos um, from memory. <laughs> um, there was just about two years between my two. Um, and what happened was, I think when my second child was born, I then had that situation where it was really tricky to leave the house because if the little baby was having a nap, the toddler was awake. <laughs> If the toddler was having a nap, the baby was awake and it mm. felt like for that period of time, um, look, it probably lasted 
I don't know, maybe six months perhaps, um, I just seemed to be settling one child or the other. And um, yeah. And actually, if I hadn't, um, if I had decided that all the naps that both the children were having had to be in the cot, I never would have left the house. So I think yeah. that what ended up happening is that the um, the firstborn kind of got priority, unfortunately, yeah. um, and uh, so that her naps were happening in the cot, whereas the little baby tended to have more sleeps on the go, um, be it in the pram mm. or the car, um, at the playground whilst his sister was running around, because uh, otherwise yes. I never would have left the house. Yeah, mm. I think you know we've got to we've got to keep up with our toddlers. They really need to burn off energy, and also when they've got a new sibling on the scene, you can't just grind their lives to a halt because it's already mm. a big enough adjustment as it is just having somebody new in the house. If suddenly they're not getting out to the playground every morning like they used to, or not going to swimming lessons or whatever else it is, that's going to feel a bit unfair <laughs> to that toddler. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think so many parents just find they follow the toddler's lead, and the baby just naps wherever they go. And I think the key here is that that doesn't mean that you're going to have a baby who can't sleep well. Um, mm -hmm. Babies are so flexible. Most of them will sleep fine, um, you know, if they're out and about in the pram. But I think as well, a lot of parents think, well, if they're not doing, you know, most or some of their naps in the cot, then they're not going to you know, become established with good sleep. And mm -hmm. I find this really unusual because I think if you've got um, a pram with a bassinet in it, and your baby's falling asleep on their back in that pram. You're probably pulling the hood over a bit to make it a bit darker. Mm -hmm. It's actually really similar to falling asleep in the cot. Mm. Um, it often means they're not needing patting or holding or feeding. They're usually just drifting off to sleep with a little bit of mm -hmm. movement from the pram. And the great thing about prams is that you can take them anywhere. So if, for example, your baby only ever falls asleep in a moving pram and you're thinking, well that's making their nights really hard because they don't like to sleep on anything that's not moving. Um, you could easily bring that pram into the living room and start, you know, settle them in the pram um, at home. Mm -hmm. And you might just gradually reduce how much you're rocking that pram, you know, while mm -hmm. you're still in the living room. And maybe eventually you're slowly moving the pram into their nursery so they're getting mm -hmm. used to falling asleep in the nursery. You can kind of, um, I suppose, phase out the movement of the pram and slowly get them used to the cot. Mm. Um, so there's lots of options, I think. What do you yeah. think, Laura? What tips do you have? Um, well, if you are aiming to have some of the naps at home for your baby, um, then think about how you will be able to keep your toddler occupied um, whilst you are um, nipping into the nursery to pop the baby down in the bassinet. Um, I, I work with a lot of families who will talk about having a a basket of special toys or special books that just come out for the um, older child when mum or dad is, um, you know, their attention is diverted by needing to settle the baby. Um, so if you have some really um, high value toys um, that your toddler absolutely loves, um, you can get 10, 15 minutes potentially. Mm. Um uh, where they can play independently with the magnetic tiles or the that's not my koala book or whatever it is that is really high value for them. Or an episode them. of Bluey. <laughs> or an episode of Bluey, yeah. I'm all for using yeah. screen time when you need to. Um, yeah. 
yeah. absolutely. And look, with cot settling as well, I mean, it depends on your baby and how much support you think they need to fall asleep in their cot. Um, but for a lot of families, I'll pop their baby down in the cot, kind of get them settled in and then wander out with the toddler, check on the toddler and kind of go backwards and forwards a little bit. But some families will set up like a little um, pretend like a play bed in the nursery and the toddler's got their own doll. And so they mm-hmm. go in and check on their baby when you go in and check on your baby. Um, it sort of depends on your toddler. Some toddlers are like a bull in a china shop, <laughs> not very not very welcome in the nursery because they are a little destructive. But some toddlers are um, you know, a bit more quieter and actually really enjoy that. So Yeah, and then they can play. And- Play, they can role play being yeah. a caregiver themselves. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then they feel like they're sharing an experience with you rather than you just being, you know, unavailable for a period of time while you're with the baby. Um, so, yeah, I think there's lots of things that, that you can do and we'll definitely work on, on writing up that lesson for some bell. Um, mm. And I think too, try not to stress too much. If all you can do is work on cot settling, you know, if that's your goal and all you can do it, do is sort of work on that in the evenings and overnight, that's completely fine as well. Um, there'll come a time where it'll feel easier to manage a toddler and a baby during the daytime and suddenly mm-hmm. you'll, um, you know, you'll find that you're ready to do more cot settling in the daytime um, and it's mm-hmm. totally fine for that to just happen when it happens, really. Yeah, and if you are working on cot <clears throat> settling in the evenings, perhaps um, if you have a partner living with you, um, one you can divide and conquer so that one of you... Um, is with the toddler and one is settling the baby. Um, mm. But if that isn't an option, um, then, and it also will depend on the age of your um, firstborn, um, think about having a reward chart for them. Um, so rewarding mm. them, you know, that probably works better for kind of three, four, five-year-olds. Um, and above, um, if you are um, using a cot settling technique that means that you need to be in with the baby for a little bit longer at the start of the night um, or that they're, you know, you're, you're looking to wean off um, feeding to sleep, for example, and there's a little bit of protesting whilst you cuddle your baby to sleep instead, for example. Um, think about a reward chart for your toddler where you can explain to them that um, you're going to be helping the baby learn to go to sleep just in the same way that they go to sleep um, and not to worry. And if they stay playing with their um, special basket of toys or stay lying in their bed reading their book or whatever it is that they um, are doing, um, then they'll get a sticker on their reward chart and then they can work towards getting a bigger reward, um, you know, when they've got yeah. three or four stickers on their reward, reward chart. That's such a good idea. And I reckon that really starts to work well when they're around that sort of two and a half to three years of age. They really start to um, have that sense of pride in themselves. And so Mm. it can be a really lovely experience working on a a reward chart together. Um, So, yeah, I think when it comes to siblings, you know, we're sort of talking about the the cot settling side of things. And obviously that's not what everybody's aiming to do with their little babies. So don't feel like, you know, you have to go and start work on cot settling. It's totally fine to just make a decision on on where you're wanting to settle your baby based on what's working well for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do welcome a new sibling, just know that your firstborn, it's a huge ordeal for them to go through. And there is very little we can really do to prepare them for that big shift that happens in the household. I can hear my firstborn right now, actually. (laughs) I think I heard him too. (laughs) Making himself known. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, One of the things I tell parents all the time is that when you bring that new baby home, 
And one of the things that's going to annoy your toddler more than anything is when you need to sit down and spend, you know, 30 minutes feeding that tiny baby and they don't have your attention during that time. Um, it just, they're going to feel a little bit slighted. One of the easiest things you can do is surrender to a little bit of screen time, but make it mm -hmm. special screen time for the both of you. So it might be that when you're feeding the baby, your toddler's beside you, snuggled in beside you. Um, watch something that's high quality. There's a lot of really high quality programming, especially in Australia mm -hmm. where we've got ABC for kids. Um, and talk about the programs that you're watching. So mm -hmm. pause it, you know, every now and then and say, what did you think of that? Or what do you think is going to happen next? So that you're having an experience together and then they're not feeling like all the attention's off them. Um, yes. And they'll actually start to really enjoy those times when you feed the baby because they get to do something that, that they really enjoy as well. Yeah, that's a really um, lovely tip, Fallon, um, because then they get that snuggly time um, with mum and or dad and the baby is hopefully quiet because they're having a feed. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it can feel to the toddler as if all of your actual visual attention is on them and the, and the TV show or whatever it is you're watching together. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, we've had quite a few questions come through this past week. So let's try and fire through a few mm -hmm. of those, Laura. Mm -hmm. The first one comes in from Karina. Um, thanks so much for emailing in, Karina. Uh, Karina's just recently joined the 4 to 12 month Sunbell program and says that she's finding it really, really helpful, which is really lovely. Um, and she's after some advice on the transition from co-sleeping. Mm -hmm. So she says, my nine-month-old has been a terrible sleeper for her whole life. Mm. She's a happy, mellow kid during the day, rarely fussy at all, but she is a very light sleeper. So she usually stirs after every sleep cycle and only naps for about 30 minutes unless it's a contact nap. Um, and her preferred nighttime sleeping place um, since she was a newborn, is in the crook of my arms. Mm. After about five months of battling with screaming witching hour before bed, oh my gosh, Karina, you've been through, you've been through it all. Um, she says she finally learned to fall asleep on her own in the cot. Oh gosh, well done. That yeah, would have been well really, really tough. Um, so it usually only takes her about five minutes after being put down awake and she's off to sleep in her cot. And this mm. is how she settles at nap time and at night time. And before around 10 p.m. So at about 10 p.m. when she wakes up, um, even with their support, so padding, singing, picking her up, she'll wake up and she'll cry for one to one and a half hours. Um, mm. and so she's really resisting settling. Um, and Karina says that's when she caves. Um, she's even tried climbing into the cot. We know so many parents who've done that. We do. Um, so she can climb into the cot and cuddle her off to sleep. Um, she will fall asleep, but as soon as Karina hops back out, she wakes up um, and ends up in Karina's bed. And um, once she's in bed with her mum, she still wakes every 60 to 90 minutes to feed, um, refuses to sleep anywhere but in Karina's arms. Um, even when she tries to create a bit of distance between them, um, the baby's still waking up quite a lot. So Karina's feeling really exhausted um, and really doesn't know where to start with that transition. So she asks, should I keep feeding on demand regularly and focus on getting her to sleep in her cot? Or do I try to first reduce the feeding her in my bed and then work on moving her to the cot? Or should I do it all at once? And she mm -hmm. says, I don't necessarily want to completely night wean, but the hourly feeds are killing me. 
Oh, that just sounds so painful. Yeah, it does. It sound... <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised really it's tough. killing you. Yeah, yeah, so tough. And I think these are the situations where it's really important to remember that your mental health and your physical well-being is absolutely crucial. Don't mm-hmm. undervalue that. It is really important um, to look after yourself. Um, so, look, I would say, Laura and I had a bit of a chat about this before, didn't we? Yeah. My, I would lean towards in this particular situation, I would say start to wean the night feeds first. And, look, this is entirely comes down to individual choice and preference. But in some situations, I think if you work on reducing the night feeds and settling your baby any way you want to. So it might be cuddling, co-sleeping, patting, whatever it is you want to do. Um, There's a really good chance that that really frequent night waking has a lot to do with her just having that preference to have the feeds. So the feeds are kind Mm -hmm. of a motivating factor in her waking up so, so frequently at nighttime. Um, So if you work on reducing those first, give her all the support in the world you you can outside Mm -hmm. of feeding Usually within a few nights, it might take a week, maybe two, that motivation to wake up to feed goes away because they're like, well, I'm not going to be offered a feed anymore. Um, you know, and often they just start to sleep a whole lot better. So that then when you work on the cot settling, you're having to resettle her in her cot far fewer times um, mm. per night. Um, but it really does come down to preference. I know there are parents who'd go, what? No way. I'm not weaning night feeds. I'm not ready. That's totally fine. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. absolutely don't have to. Um, but I think given she's nine months old, um, she absolutely should be fine to get enough calories through daytime feeding. If she's having Mm -hmm. three solid meals a day, maybe a few snacks in there as well. Um, and so definitely gradually reduce those night feeds as well. And that gives her body time to compensate and, and take on more food during the daytime as well. Um, but I feel like that's probably where I would suggest starting. Um, but Laura, what do you think? What would you say? What, what's another option? Yeah, another option would be, um, well, probably whatever you whatever approach is taken, it will be important for you, Karina, just to have a double check that you're understanding your daughter's um, unique sleep needs and ensuring that sure. um, she there's the right balance between day sleep and night sleep um, so that she's um, actually not to make sure she's not waking overnight because um, she doesn't have enough sleep pressure to maintain her sleep. Um, so assuming that that's the case, that you have checked her unique sleep needs and you're quite happy with the time that she's in bed for overnight. Um, yeah, absolutely. You could go down the avenue that Fallon has just described and you just focus on um, weaning those feeds as your first priority and just settling her to sleep however you can. And you said, um, could I do that in my bed? Um, just weaning her in the bed. Yep, absolutely. If that means that you need to co-sleep with her whilst you're cuddling her and giving her all that support to fall asleep without feeding, then that's the way to go. I have also worked with some families who find that very hard to do because as long as the um, baby is in mum's arms overnight, um, she that the baby will do everything is like clawing <laughs> trying to pull yes. down the top try to, and getting more and more escalated more and more upset furious um that they can't get to the boob when they can literally feel it right there and in mm. those instances it's actually really very hard to try to distance yourself um from um 
the feeding. Um, and I'm wondering whether you've you said, Karina, that you're just so exhausted and you're finding it hard to distance her lying next to her, next to you as she falls asleep. Mm. So a different option might be that um, you actually do the cot settling and the weaning at the same time. Um, and yeah. you'd pick one approach um to use um and you know if you haven't mentioned whether you have a partner who might be able to help sometimes when we're doing um weaning of mm. breastfeeds it can help to um that if the non-feeding parent does some of those settles overnight when there isn't going to be a feed offered um if that isn't an option for you then um yeah looking through the range of settling approaches described in Sombell um, and either picking a very gradual one where you're introducing the um, sleep associations whilst you're feeding your baby to sleep in um, your arms and then slowly um, back off those or if given that you're describing that you're so exhausted perhaps you just go with one of the faster approaches you might decide that okay I'm going to feed her once or twice overnight um, and when she wakes up at those times you'll just feed her straight away but all other times you'll use the um, other faster approach um, to settle her in the cot. Yeah I think that's really good Laura there's some really good options there one of the other things I always think about in these types of cases when I see them in clinic is where is all this sleep happening? Because if, for example, the cot is in your room right near your bed, you will have one hell of a time trying to settle her in that cot if she can see your bed, the place where she wants to be so mm. close by. And so sometimes what I suggest to families is if you do have a nursery available um, and you're wanting to move them into their, their own room, it's a great time to do it because often, you know, when parents say to you, gosh, when they when we stayed, you know, at my grandparents' house or we were on holiday or something, they just slept so well. Yeah. And that's that whole idea of new room, new rules. They wake yes. up and they don't know what the rules are in this new environment. So often they're not as difficult to resettle in the night. Mm. And so I definitely consider that. It might be that you make one big change, one very well-supported change, where um, the cot moves into her own room. And if you've got a partner, I would definitely have them in there sleeping beside the cot so they can you know, always be there for her, um, be reaching across all the time, giving lots of support, applying whatever Sunbell approach you want to apply. Um, so they've really got constant support there. Um, mm -hmm. And then you would just go in those times when you are going to feed. Um, but at every other time your partner could do that resettling and it doesn't have to be a partner. You know, if you've got a mum around or some other family member who's, mm -hmm. you know, really happy to come and give you a hand, it can really help to have some support when you're trying to change a, um, a situation like this where there's co-sleeping and a lot of nighttime feeds. Mm. Um, so give that a thought because sometimes moving to a new room, it just helps, you know, yeah. it's just a different environment and they're not constantly sort of seeing you nearby they can't smell your milk they can't sort of see the place they normally sleep um, mm. but it's not so unfamiliar it's the same house they've still got a parent nearby the whole time um, yeah. So yeah that that would be something to think about too yeah I think that sounds like a really good option Fallon a new room bed in the room for the um for the parent who's going to be doing the settling um and just providing um the appropriate level of support um to wean off those night feeds and good luck Karina yeah, good luck. Let us know how you're traveling. Definitely. 
Oh, we also had a question come in from Melissa, who says, Recently, my eight-month-old baby's sleep has deteriorated, and I'm no longer getting any stretches of sleep over two hours. Sometimes mm. he's only lasting less than 10 minutes in the cot after settling. He mm. cries uncontrollably and only settles when I pick him up. He got to a point where he um, typically falls asleep in his cot, um, but now I'm often needing to settle him in my arms. And she says, I've had to resort to co-sleeping as I can barely keep my head up some days. I've been trying and failing to drop a nap as I assume sleep pressure is not high enough anymore. However, he's really struggling to stay awake until the new nap times and maintain his current bedtime. He's fallen, un fallen asleep unintentionally on short drives after only being awake for an hour. So he's fighting dropping a nap and still often takes his three naps. Mm. Can you provide some guidance on dropping naps? Oh, yes. Oh, this is, um, this is uh, something that's quite common um, that we see, Melissa, where um, parents can see they've worked out their child's unique sleep needs and um, they can see, well, yeah, around eight months, that is you know, the time that um, it would be appropriate for my baby to just be having the two naps a day. But <laughs> come hell or high water, mm. the baby just really wants that, that third nap. Um, and yeah. when you try to um, skip it, um, then if you... Yeah, pop them in the car or in the pram or even just in the high chair sometimes. <laughs> They're falling asleep um, and it's very, very hard. Um, mm. This is a case, I'd say, Fallon, where it's um, really worthwhile gritting your teeth to get through um, a period of time, um, a week or two, where you just persist as much as possible to move to the two-nap schedule yeah. um, and think about what's the total amount of day sleep that um, you're going to be offering your baby say it's two hours you might be aiming for two one hour naps but have your what I often call get out of jail free card up your sleeve <laughs> where because some parents roll their eyes at me when they're saying but it's really hard and I say yes but do it but they're like but it's still really hard you're not <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, your get out of jail free card is the power nap option in the afternoon. So yes. if your um, baby wakes up from their um, second nap quite early and it's there's no way they're going to make it until bedtime um, or they've just had two short naps and they've you know only maybe had an hour out of their two hour nap allowance. Um, mm. then you can give them a power nap, which is just a 15 or 20 minute nap later on in the afternoon, just to get them through until bedtime. So some parents call them a bridging nap. It's not an entire sleep cycle, so it doesn't um, impact the um, sleep, bedtime sleep pressure as much as a full um, sleep cycle would. Um, mm. And it just kind of takes the edge off um, for your baby, gets, gets them through. through. And you might only need yeah. to offer that power nap maybe two or three times in that first week um, before they start yeah. to adjust. And then they're on to the two nap schedule and you're finding that they're managing fine before um, bedtime. What do yeah. you think, Fallon? Any any thoughts I on think that? That's, yeah, I think that's such a good idea, Laura. I think as well, sometimes for some families, they really just need to plan 
you know, if they're maybe struggling to drop a nap, it might be that you plan three days or so where you're just around home and you kind of try to avoid trips in the car if you can. So it might be across a weekend or when you've got someone around to give you a hand. Um, you just want to try and avoid those incidental, um, you know, extra naps across the day. Um, so being around home can kind of help that, especially if you've got a baby who's prone to falling asleep in the pram or the car. Um, and I would say also just lots and lots of distractions is often what it takes. Mm. And one of the best ways to keep a baby awake is to invite someone around to your house. Mm. I really think, you know, if, if there's a guest at the house, it's so much harder to settle a baby for sleep and they can push themselves through a little bit longer being awake, um, usually with a lot less trouble. So often I say by the, you know, towards the end of the day, plan distractions. Maybe you're going to get outside. Maybe you're going to pull out the bubble wand or, um, you know, invite grandma around for some cuddles or something like that. <laughs> yes. And often if you just get a few days in a row where you really push for the two naps and you've got those distractions there, it kind of clicks into place. The circadian rhythm is kind of figuring out, okay, there's less day sleep. Therefore, I need to sleep a bit more at night time to meet my sleep needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I get it. It's really, really tough. Some babies are so reluctant to drop that nap, even when we can see slow, so clearly that they really, really need to. Um, and you know, it's, it will make a really big difference to those nights. So yeah, yeah, hopefully those tips help Melissa and just hang in there. Eventually, you know, we don't keep on three day naps forever. No, (laughs) probably would if I could. Oh, I would. Yeah. I would have loved three today, Fallon. (laughs) (laughs) Use at least one. Uh, The other thing just to um, add, just before we move on to the next question, Fallon would be if you've, um, given your baby the two naps and say you're aiming for a 7.30 bedtime and then you can only get until seven. Well, so yeah. be it. And a slightly earlier Absolutely. bedtime is fine. Um, and then the next morning, try and stick to the wake up time that you've decided upon. Um, and um, then you're just doing a, a reset of the body clock in the morning with, you know, the nice bright lights and um, an energetic game first thing in the morning and just try again. Yeah. Yep. Try again. Exactly. Every day is a new day. If one mm-hmm. day just goes very pear shaped, wake up on time the next day and just keep persisting with whatever the timing is that you're working on. Um, and eventually your baby will start to fall into that pattern as well. Um, there's always a rough patch when we're dropping a nap. So, um, yeah, grit your teeth and, and you will get through it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Melissa, for the question. Um, we have another question from Kimberly. Um, and she says, I'm new to Sun Bell, two days new. Mm-hmm. Um, I've loved listening to your podcast. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, um, and she says she's found the four to 12 month program really interesting and insightful. So that's just so lovely to hear. Um, Kimberly says, my daughter is five months old and she has gastroesophageal reflux, which she's currently being medicated for. And she has a possible milk protein allergy. Um, And so Kimberly's on a three week trial of eliminating um, cow's milk from her diet to see if it helps um, with her daughter's symptoms. She says lately in the past two weeks, she's been waking more frequently overnight. Um, She used to only wake one or two times at night. Um, but is now waking four to five times. And she's also only sleeping about 20 to 40 minutes during the day. I'm assuming that's for each nap during Mm -hmm. the day. Do you have any tips to help her sleep for longer periods of time? Oh, when I read Mm -hmm. this, I just thought, oh, it's that, you know, that five month mark. It is such a challenge. Um, So often they do sleep pretty well those first few months. And then at four to five months, they 
start to have very strong preferences for how they fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so babies who have been um, maybe patted or held or fed to fall asleep and have been doing really well overnight, suddenly they're waking up constantly at night time, wanting mm. some kind of help to get back to sleep again. So I would say, Kimberly, that's the first thing I'd think about is are you giving your baby some sort of assistance to fall asleep? Mm-hmm. Um, could be time to start to gradually phase out that assistance that you're giving. Um, and I think given that the the wake-ups have increased so much, I don't know what you'd say, Laura, but I think I'd probably start with that unique sleep needs chapter in Sombell where you're mm. calculating your baby's sleep requirements and then yeah. working up a schedule that fits that because if sleep pressure is high at night time, um, you're going to have a lot more luck if you are having to work um, on some cot settling, for example. Yeah, yeah. and also um, well done for um, getting on top of your daughter's um, gut problems. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, I hope that the elimination diet um, does bring improvements to her symptoms. It's very painful. I did that myself, but painful in, in terms of mm. not being able to eat chocolate. <laughs> And um, when it's uh, a challenging time, Um, if it works, it's awesome because um, that can help reduce the the, um, physical pain for your baby. Um, It does mean um, another bit of time for you where you can't have um, the diet that you want, just like when you were pregnant. Yes, I hope you like oat milk lattes, Kimberly. <laughs> You're probably going to be having a few. Yes. Um, yeah, it's really tough. And I was thinking too when I read through this email, you know, a lot of parents would say, oh, it's because I've changed my diet or started medication. Maybe that's what's caused my baby to wake up more. And if that is what you're thinking, Kimberly, I would say it's pretty unlikely. Um, it's just probably more to do with, with her age and mm. kind of reaching that point where sleep often does get a little bit challenging. Um, yeah. But yeah, good luck with those. Um, yeah, with trialing the no dairy. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd work on the unique sleep needs chapter. And if you do need to work on more independent settling in Sunbell, you're going to get tons of options um, for taking that, you know, at, at whatever pace you're comfortable with. So have a good read through, work out which one you'd like to go with. And then I'd say dive right in because um, five months is a great age to work on sleep. Babies are usually... Um, you know, very quick to adjust if we do need mm. to change where or how we settle them. Um, yeah. And you can give them a lot of support to make that adjustment. And often within a few nights, they're, they're doing really well. So, yeah, it's yeah. a good time to work on it. Absolutely. And Kimberly, you'll have your daughter sleeping for longer stretches um, overnight, um, so, you know, soon enough once you've um, worked out her unique sleep needs and you've started working on that, um, the way that you're supporting her to sleep um so hang on in there um it will come um four to five wakes a night is not much fun i hear you we work with families all the time like you um and it's it is very hard um but you've got the tools there in those chapters in sombell so have a good read through decide which approach um if it is cot settling that you need to work on decide on which approach resonates best with you um, and your family um, and as Fallon says, dive right in. You've got nothing to mm. lose. You've just got sleep to gain. <laughs> Glorious <laughs> sleep. I think you touched on a good point there too, Laura, that these sorts of problems often turn around really, really quickly. I think as a parent, it's easy to feel like you are so stuck in the deepest ditch and you'll just never get get out of it. And I'm thinking about these questions that have been sent in. 
a lot of these things, if you do the work on the unique sleep needs and building out that daily rhythm and then choose one of those settling approaches, there is a really good chance that, I mean, it could be a few nights and you're sleeping better. For a lot mm. of families it is. It's sort of three or four nights and then things start to really click. Yeah. Um, or if you take a really gradual approach for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's going to take a week or two weeks. Um, you know, you're never that far away from a good night's sleep is what I like to say to families. So yeah. yeah, hold on to hope things will get better. Even if you're just having, you know, the worst day or the worst night, mm. um, it's not forever and you will get through it. Um, and one last question, it came in on our Instagram and I've screenshotted it and I haven't got the, this person's name, um, but hopefully they'll recognize their question. <laughs> Um, so this, this parent says, my eight month old is suddenly waking multiple times a night. Um, they've tried to reduce the naps from three down to two naps. And they've mm. also tried to reduce the total nap time from three hours down to two and a half hours. And they started trying to do that about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she's waking up and calling out for her parents. And this, this parent says, we give her about 10 minutes before we go in. Um, and we try patting her in the cot, but she seems to hate the padding. She'll mm. only settle if we pick her up. Um, and even then, she'll only allow us to put her back down when she's fully asleep. Um, mm. She said, last night we spent two hours trying to settle her. Um, and this parent, actually, this parent's not one of our Sonbao parents. Um, they're just a listener who thought, oh, I'm going to send in a question. <laughs> um, so she says, is, is there an eight-month mu- eight sleep regression? We do talk a bit about regressions in the Sonbao program. And overall, I would say, nope, we don't really do the whole regression thing. Babies kind of have ups and downs in their sleep at a lot of different times across the first few years. Um, but the other question this parent asks is, could she have forgotten how to self-settle? It's kind of similar to the case we talked about earlier, isn't it, Laura? Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's unlikely that she has forgotten. Um, I think that um, uh, her sleep needs may have changed a little bit and it sounds like you're doing um, a good job of looking to see whether you need to adjust the amount of day sleep that um, your baby's having. Um, So, um, And when you do do that, often takes seven days if not a little bit more for um your baby to adapt so don't expect necessarily to see um immediate changes you know you don't it's Mm. unlikely that you would make changes to a nap duration um one day and that night the sleep would be better often takes a little bit longer um so um yeah persist with those timing changes and listen to our earlier Um, response to the baby who um, the eight month old that was struggling to drop the Mm. third nap because I think a lot of the same points will apply apply. yeah yeah Uh, and then with the settling yeah I would think it it sounds like um, from that brief description what may be happening is that your baby's waking overnight you're giving her the opportunity to see if she can settle herself back to sleep when she's not um, settling back to sleep, you go in and it sounds like um, you're picking her up and that's where she wants to go back to sleep is in your arms. Um, so um, if you were to um, access the Sombell program, you could look at the range of different approaches that you could use overnight um, that ensure that you're always responding in one consistent manner to your um, baby mm-hmm. when they are waking um and um when you're just doing the same boring thing each time um it just takes away some of that motivation 
um, that Absolutely. your baby might have to wake yeah, just having one clear plan, like one approach to follow that you just apply consistently is so important at this age. Eight-month-olds are clever and they're <laughs> really starting to develop, you know, their ability to remember things. They're mm-hmm. starting to have really strong preferences. So if your, you know, your baby's probably realized, ah, oh, when I really, really arc up and really carry on quite a lot at nighttime, there's a very good chance that I'll get a lovely cuddle to sleep. So if being cuddled to sleep is their preference, then every time they wake up, they're going to get really, really upset until you give them that cuddle. Um, Obviously, you know, to get better nights, it'll be about reducing how much help she needs to get back to sleep until she gets to that point where she is happy to resettle. Mm. Um, So it's great you're giving her a little bit of time before you run in there. You're giving her that chance to resettle herself. Um, So I would say choose an approach um, that goes at your pace that you feel really comfortable with and just really consistently apply that approach um, to give her lots of support to get used to falling back asleep in her cot again. Um, because I think consistency is so key at that age. They just, you know, they have strong preferences and they really <laughs> know all the right noises to make to, um, you know, to to get whatever it is they're looking for in the middle of the night. They know yeah. how to get it. <laughs> and it yeah. can be and very the, challenging. And many parents are very happy to cuddle their baby back to sleep if it's once or twice a night. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine. But um, in th- this um, uh, poster's post um that's not the case and um and the mm. your baby's waking a lot overnight and it's just proving difficult um for you to manage so um you know that's reason enough to um to look at changing things um yeah absolutely yeah. good well that brings us to the end of another episode and i want to thank everybody who's listening in and i especially want to thank we've had so many new, new members sign up to sombell and welcome, you know, welcome to you all. Hope you really enjoy the podcast and get a bit of a sense of community um, listening into this each week. If you've got questions, please send them in. We love to hear them and we love to answer them. Um, we still have our toddler um, free mini series happening. So if you've got a troublesome toddler who's struggling with their sleep, um, check out the show notes and we'll pop a link in there um, if you're looking for some support. We're getting so close to launching Sombell for Toddlers and Mm -hmm. holy heck, it's going to be a ripper of a program. (laughs) I am so excited for it. Um, So, yes, we are madly working on that around appointments and other things. Um, So have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in and we'll um, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby's sleep or settling, then you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic for babies aged 0 to 12 months. It contains all the best resources from Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura's sleep clinics, so you can rest easy and soak in your baby. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.